you're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. And if it's your first Sunday here, I'm just so honored to have you with us. Thank you. We hope that I hope that somebody made you feel welcome and wanted and seen today, that you feel at home in this place. We're just so honored to have you. Today we're in this message series, series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers. And I love this bumper video because it reminds me of a 1990s Batman movie. And that was the most dangerous thing I could think of, Gotham City in the 1990s. And so, anyway, sorry, I I see it every time. I can't stop thinking about Two-Face and the Riddler. Anyways, sorry, I'll stop being distracted. Um, Today, I want to talk about this idea, dangerous prayers and dangerous prayers. Here's the idea with this message. We we often, as followers of Jesus, we like to pray a safe prayer. We like to pray... Prayers that are that are kind of kind of uh, I like to think that if, if if it's a salsa it's a mild salsa prayer you know we like to say God please bless this food is it how's your prayer life pretty good I prayed over two meals today I'm just saying wasn't too bad we pray traveling mercies who grew up in church and knows the term listen regular people don't use the word traveling mercies we came up with that at some point we pray god please give us safe travel give us a safe flight today we pray over things that that uh maybe won't affect us too much and all those things are important and good things to pray there is nothing wrong with safe prayers honestly if you are moving into a prayer life and you didn't have one previously any kind of prayer is a good prayer it's a good prayer to pray but i want to talk about what it means to pray prayers that are a little bit more dangerous and they're dangerous because god loves to answer these prayers and if you've ever had god answer your prayers you know that sometimes that can be scary it can be challenging it rarely happens in exactly the way you expected it to And so those kinds of prayers are dangerous because of the change that happens inside of us and around us when the answers to those prayers come. We are in 21 days of prayer right now as a church. It's part of our our annual rhythm. We do it in January and in August, and it's just a time to devote ourselves to prayer. And during this, we talk a lot uh, during the week. We do a 7 a.m. morning prayer prompt, and you can join us for that at live.gatherashville.org or at, or at uh, one of our social media platforms, Facebook or Instagram, at Gather Asheville. And that all we do is open for about 10 minutes and kind of point you in a direction, share a thought with you for prayer that morning. Then we open prayer, and then as a church, we commit to praying together during that time. And then we also gather on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m., for prayer, and we can give you all the information that you want if you're interested in being a part of that after service at our next steps table or in step one. Somebody would be happy to answer all those questions for you. But I wanted to tell you that over this last week, I've been leading, and our, our, our all folks who've been leading in our 21 days of prayer have been doing some studying the scriptures and praying through the scriptures and. 
I've had some interactions with some of you as a result of it. And one of our prayers for dangerous prayers last Sunday was search me. And what a lot of you have said, and then as we continue to pray over stuff like that this week, have said to me, you know, I heard this message about search me and this dangerous prayer last Sunday, and I did the most dangerous thing that someone can do, and I talked to my spouse about it. And I said, is there any offensive way in me to my spouse? And so I'd just like to send out some thoughts and prayers to all the brave husbands who asked their wives if there was anything offensive inside of them this week. We've been working through it together. And so that's last week we were talking about search me. This week's dangerous prayer is break me. Break me. Break me. And it's a dangerous prayer. I'm accident prone. You should know that about me. I don't know why. I don't think of myself as a clumsy person. I think of myself as a pretty, you know, pretty graceful person. I don't think of myself as overly dangerous. I don't take a ton of unnecessary risks. But I have been injured a lot of times, and specifically on my hands. For whatever reason, my hands are always getting hurt. Maybe it's because my arms are so long. My arms are really long. I can scratch my knees while I'm standing up. And maybe... My hands are just too far away from my body for me to protect them. I don't know what it is, but I'm always getting hurt. I've had stitches in six out of ten fingers, and in one of my fingers twice. Two of my fingers don't have feeling in them anymore. Uh, One has a short tendon. I've got this crooked pinky. Maybe you've watched me waving my hands around and wondering what the heck's wrong with that pinky. It's crooked forever. I've had arterial bleeds out of two of my fingers Maybe you didn't know you could have an arterial bleed in your finger. You can. It's exciting. Lots of blood comes out. It's very cool. This has happened to me enough that I'm starting to wonder what is the deal with my hands. Twice I dropped a knife and tried to catch it as it was going down. Caught it on the blade and had to get stitches as a result. These two incidents happened within six weeks of each other. I don't learn very quickly. My fingers have been absolutely torn apart. They've been destroyed. They've been broken in a million different ways. And as a result, my fingers are never going to be the same. They're changed by all the trauma that they've been through. The way that they are now is different than the way that they used to be before it all happened. Life is going to break you in nine different ways. And each time you're going to get changed by it, marked by it. It's gonna affect different things about you on the other side. Learning to pray the prayer, break me, break me, is about inviting God into the healing process so that he can determine what happens next. Let's look at Mark chapter 14 today. It says, while he was in Bethany, he being Jesus, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. I want to talk about how we get to a place this morning where we're ready to be broken and poured out over Jesus. Other gospels talk about this same story and they help us put the picture together a little bit. Uh, John, the Gospel of John, tells us that this woman's name was Mary, who was the brother of another man who lived in the town of Bethany, Bethany named Lazarus. 
Lazarus, if you grew up in Sunday school or you're familiar with the Bible, is the same Lazarus who was resurrected from the dead. And so this was his sister, Mary. And this perfume that she breaks over Jesus, this pure nard, was very valuable and it was unopened. So she breaks it open over Jesus, which means she's not using it in her daily life. It's not something that she's She's taken out when she goes out on the town a little bit. This is actually most likely an inheritance. Most scholars believe that this alabaster jar of pure nard represents her backup plan. You see, Mary, by the context and by what most scholars believe, was unmarried, lived with her brother Lazarus. He was responsible for her. He helped care for her and took care of her, gave her a place to live and all of those things that she needed in the culture that she lived in. If he were to die, she was left with this inheritance, this alabaster jar of perfume. It was very valuable. In fact, it says in the Bible that it was worth a year's worth of wages. All the religious people in the room were very upset when she poured it out over Jesus. Because the religious people in the room said, what an incredible waste of money. Why would she break that on Jesus? Why would she waste something of such value in this moment? The person in the room who the Gospels tell us was the most indignant about it was Judas. Judas was responsible for taking care of the finances of the disciples. And the Bible says Judas acted like he was mad because they could have sold it and given to the poor. But in reality, he wanted that money to skim a little bit off for himself. And so people are outraged at this happening. This is a valuable thing. And it's this valuable jar of perfume that was likely intended to take care of Mary if she lost her brother. I just, can you imagine having something of value like that and being willing to give it away in just a moment? But for Mary, it was worth it. Mary had already been broken. And in her brokenness, Jesus was there. He was a part of it. And because of that, because of what she experienced, all that was valuable to her, the value that it had changed purpose. And now it was ready to be broken and poured out for him. I wanna back up the story for a moment. See, just a short time earlier, Mary had suffered the loss of her brother, the one who took care of her, who provided for her. And this perfume, at that moment, was likely her only path forward. She was grieving. It had only been a couple days. She really probably wasn't thinking too much about that at the time. She's just grieving in the moments after Lazarus has died. And that's one chapter earlier from the Gospel of John's telling of this in John chapter 11. Verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and so many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha was angry, so she immediately runs to Jesus and says, where were you? Why weren't you there when my brother was sick? Why didn't you come to help heal him? Why didn't you do what I know you can do, what you've done for so many others, for us who are your friends, who are like family to you? Why didn't you show up, Jesus? Martha's angry 
And she responds that way. She's, she's responding out loud, but Mary is beyond anger. And all of her response is happening in her heart. It's happening inside. Mary is broken by grief. And so when Jesus gets to town, Mary stays right where she's at. She stays in the house until Jesus asks for her. In verse 32, it says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, and she was coming because he asked for her, so she responded and came to meet him. When she reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says this, she is saying this through tears, through weeping, through sorrow. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. I don't know what you believe about the character of God, what you were led to believe, what your life has led you to believe. I think this is one of the best pictures of the character of God. We're living in a broken moment of history, aren't we? There's sickness. I mean, I, everyone I know knows somebody who is suffering from this disease right now. I have friends in the hospital. We're suffering as a culture and as a society. Maybe you have family members or friends who won't talk to you because of what side of the aisle you fall in during this whole thing, your beliefs, where you're at. There's a lot of pain circulating at this moment. It's universal. It doesn't really matter what your political beliefs are. Everyone is experiencing a level of pain right now. Isolation, hurt. And what John chapter 11, verse 33 tells us is that God is not ignorant to that. He doesn't not care about that. He doesn't ignore it. He's not turned away from this moment. In fact, I believe he's engaged. Jesus knows the outcome. He walks into this moment with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He knows what he's there to do. Jesus is there to call this guy out of the tomb, to resurrect him. He knows that. He's planned it. It's been given to him from his Father in heaven. But he walks into the sorrow of that moment and he feels and experiences sorrow. That's the one that made you. And that's where he's at with you today. Mary is completely broken. She's weeping. Verse 34, Jesus says, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord. And they took him to the tomb and it says, Jesus wept. Can you imagine this scene? Mary sees Jesus. She comes out to him slowly, I imagine, wherever he is. And as soon as she gets close enough to him, she just crumples at his feet. Have you ever been around someone who is so stricken with grief, their body stops working? They can't stand? I have. It's hard to, be, it's, it hurts. It hurts everybody around him. Mary crumples at his feet and I don't think it's an accusatory, angry, where were you? Why weren't you here? I think she speaks to him through sobbing tears. Where were you? Why weren't you here in my worst moment? 
And so she weeps, and Jesus weeps, and he weeps over her brokenness. And then the miracle happens. Jesus goes to the tomb. He tells him to roll the stone away, and he says, Lazarus, come out. I grew up in a church that did a passion play. Anybody ever been to a passion play before? Don't knock on the passion play. I love the passion play. If I could figure out how to do one in here, I would do it. And that was my favorite part of the passion play. Had all the smoke machines going, had a big chorus going, everybody singing, you know. Lazarus, come out. And he, he would come out. We had this guy, he would wrap up like a mummy. He'd have all the toilet paper on, and he'd come out and come, and he'd take the toilet paper off and go running down the aisle. And as a kid, I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. It's a triumphant moment. It's incredible. It's beautiful. But it doesn't cancel the pain they just went through, does it? She's been mourning Lazarus. Lazarus is back, but it doesn't change the way the trauma changed her. It doesn't change all the questions she had the day she thought Jesus would show up and he did not. It doesn't change that she had to stand there while her brother was wrapped and placed inside of a tomb. Does it? It's an exciting moment, but people are still marked by it and broken by it. In this moment of Mary's brokenness, Jesus reminds her exactly who he is and what he has been looking forward to. Now let's go back to this moment where she breaks the perfume and pours it out. It's not very far, not very long after. I don't know how long it was after. Nobody really does. There's a lot of speculation. I can tell you that it's one chapter later in the book of John. It's probably a matter of days or weeks or months. Not a long time has passed. Mary is still feeling this. She's still trying to understand it. She's still experiencing it. And Jesus is seated at this table of who did it say? Simon the leper. A leper is, to catch you up, lepers were people who were diseased in such a way that they were covered in boils and they would eventually die from this disease, but it took a very long time. And so they would isolate because it was contagious. No one was allowed near them. No one was allowed to touch them. They were unclean and unfit to worship in the temple. Jesus was touching these people all the time. Jesus was like a little kid with their parent at Target, touching everybody, touching everything. Don't touch that. And he was like, well, I'm going to touch that. Touching and healing. And Simon the leper's home is where he is because that's where you find Jesus, around the margins, around the outcast, and around the broken people. And so Mary is coming into this place of Simon the leper. And she is still in the headspace of everything that has recently happened to her. The loss of her brother, the anger of her sister, and the resurrection of hope that happened. And so she brings what represents her future to Jesus. What represents the security that she has in life. And she breaks it and pours it out over him. Because at this moment she is saying, I know who he is. I know what he does. I know what he wants for all of us. So anything else doesn't matter anymore. My future, my present, is all his now. That's what it means to be broken and poured out. 
I think for many of us as Christians, Christianity comes as an add-on to our lives. We think of it as something we can add in like another ingredient to a fulfilling life. In the deep south, it's just a cultural thing. It's, it's what we do on Sundays. It's a, it's, a, it's a habit. It's a ritual. It's a tradition. But Christianity is not an ingredient. And it's not meant to be part-time, and it's not meant to be an add-on. In order to really fully understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you have to be willing to be broken and poured out. You have to go all in. It requires everything. Jesus is clear about that. Matthew chapter 16, 24 is one of many places where he would say things like this. It says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Throughout his ministry, Jesus would clarify that following him meant leaving everything else behind. It meant putting what his dreams are for you ahead of your dreams for yourself. Following him meant giving him our whole heart, all of it. It meant being willing to sacrifice comfort and peace. One time Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To somebody who was just wanting to follow him and they're like, whoa. For Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, following Jesus meant giving up a life of comfort and wealth and power for a life of persecution and pain. Why would anyone in their right mind do that? And we can answer that question in our minds. Maybe you've looked everywhere else and you've not found any peace, no satisfaction. And so you decide maybe it's here. Maybe it's, it's in following Jesus and being a part of the church. Maybe you've longed for purpose and meaning all of your life and you really believe that in following Jesus, you'll finally find it. Maybe you've heard it said that when we step into the purpose of our creation, it doesn't matter if life is filled with ease or filled with trials. We'll have peace because we're right where we were made to be. Maybe it's just what you've always done. And I just think it's one thing for us to believe it all in our heads. And it's a whole other thing to begin to understand this in the depths of our hearts. When you understand in your heart what it means to follow Jesus, who he is, and what he's willing to do for us, then you're ready to give all you have to it. I believe, church, that we need to pray this prayer, break me. Break me. Because for many of us, we won't truly understand what it means to follow Jesus until we've been broken. Mark tells this story, and a few verses down in, in that same chapter, Mark 14, we see the picture of the Last Supper, where Jesus is sitting with his followers, preparing to become a sacrifice for them, and he says, I'm going to be broken and poured out for you. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for many. When you pray the prayer, break me, you're asking God to get your heart to a place where you're ready to follow Jesus into brokenness. Where you're ready to be broken and poured out like Mary was. 
when you're ready to sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice in order to reach the people of this world that you were created to serve and to reach and to love and to care for and to show value to. So three things about being broken. First, God may not cause it, but he can use it. This is important because I don't want you to misunderstand me here. Life is going to break you at some point. It will. We live in a broken, fallen world that's filled with pain and trouble and disease and disaster and evil. You're going to go through it. Most of us have been through some kind of brokenness just in this last year. It's going to happen and it probably happened more than once. Jesus was clear about that. He warned us about persecution and suffering. And he said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. You will. Not you might. You are going to have trouble in this life. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Keep your eyes on something bigger. Life is going to break you. It can happen a million different ways. Maybe you'll see something that you just didn't expect to see. Maybe you'll experience something that you never expected to experience. Praying break me isn't dangerous because God is going to cause something in your life terrible to happen to break you. He doesn't work like that. Dangerous because when life does that, when life breaks us, and we've been praying for God to break our hearts, to break us, God will use that moment to change you into who he called you to be. And that process is never easy. Romans 8, 28 says, we know all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. He doesn't cause it, but he promises to work good through it. Second, you're gonna know it when it happens. Pray the prayer, break me, and you won't have to walk around wondering if it has happened or not. You're gonna know. I was told early on, when I entered into a life of ministry, at some point, God would break me in ways I had never been broken before. I came into a relationship with Jesus out of a place of brokenness. Many of you, maybe you're newer and you don't know my whole story. When I was 21, I attempted to take my own life. I survived it. And when I entered into a relationship with Jesus, just a few weeks after that, I knew what it meant to surrender your whole life. I had already made that decision before. My brokenness made it possible for me to understand the decision I was making. So I had been through that. I went through a, another season of brokenness a couple years later and all of that was very real and very serious and it changed me. And every time I came out of it with a greater understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus. But when I entered into ministry, I had a couple people tell me, this is gonna break you in new ways. And I thought, okay, let's go, let's do it. And I thought maybe after the first couple years of starting a church, I had been broken. I thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is what they're talking about. This was really hard. It's really hard to start anything from scratch. It's really hard to do it in a city where you don't know people. This is hard, this was hard. But that wasn't it. Happened in 2019. 2019 was the worst year of my life. 
three horrible things happened in a row that left me completely broken. That summer, I was on my way back from vacation and I got a phone call from one of my closest friends who had been having affairs on his wife. It was devastating. I had been meeting with him regularly for accountability and he lied to me and it really hurt and it made me feel pretty bad at my job. In August, two years ago on Tuesday, my 15-month-old daughter spent all night one night screaming that she was thirsty. So the next day she looked really sick, so I took her to the doctor. At the doctor's office, we were there 30 minutes, and the doctor said, I've called the ICU, they're prepared for you, go right now. No context. So I drove unsafely to Mission, where there were two nurses waiting outside to take my daughter to the ICU. Within a few hours, we learned that our baby had type 1 had type 1 diabetes and that she would have to be given insulin all day, every day, forever in order to live. I asked if that was a pill she had to take. I had no idea. It's a shot. One, one month later, My friends took their one-year-old son to the hospital. So I went to join them because I knew they were having a bad day. When I walked in, I learned that he had died just a few moments before I got there. And that was it. All of it came together and erupted and I was completely broken. I walked out of the hospital and just fell onto the ground in the middle of the road, weeping. And I called my dad and I said, what do I do, dad? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And my dad said, he said, pull yourself together, son and go back into that room and be their pastor. So that's what I did. I will never be the same again. Those words echo in my mind every single day. Pull yourself together, son. Go back into that room and be their pastor. Number three is what happens next is up to you. This is why this is a dangerous prayer. Because when life takes you to a place of brokenness, there are a couple of options. You can suppress it. You can hide it. You can try to keep going like it's fine and ignore it. You can compartmentalize it. You can just try to survive it. You can be made bitter by it. You can be angry and unhappy. 
You can blame for it. You can blame God. You can blame people. You can turn into something you never wanted to be because of the brokenness you've endured. You can become jaded and skeptical of the whole world. Or, or, you can follow the example of Mary and allow yourself to be broken and poured out over Jesus. After the year 2019, I am a different person. Well, I've seen loss in many different ways. I've felt the pain of others. I've felt, I've sat in the rooms with mothers whose dreams are falling apart, with mothers who've lost their children, with my own family. And I've felt their pain. But I, was, I have also felt Jesus weep as a result of it. I felt comfort and peace. I didn't get to see a resurrection the way that Mary did, but I believe that I will. And more than ever, I'm convinced that Jesus still weeps for us, still comforts us, that his hope is what gets us through these days. And the choice that I made on the other side of that brokenness is to be a part of spreading that hope. I thought I understood what it meant to be a pastor before that day in September. I did not. I had ideas, I had hopes, I had dreams, and I was doing the very best that I could. But before I was broken by this calling, by the things that I've seen, by what life can do, by what it will take from you, I didn't really understand what it meant to be a pastor now. Because I am broken and poured out, I do. And when you go through those days, it will be my honor to be with you, to be there for you, to pray with you, to sit in silence with you, to offer any comfort I can for you, because there's nothing I wanna do more in my life and then continue to be broken and poured out for the one that I know brings hope into the worst moments. I'm changed. I know what it means to give up everything. I've seen everything lost. I know what it means to give my whole heart to him because it's all his. I know what it means to follow Jesus completely because it's what I'm trying to do right now. Paul says in Philippians 2.17, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming out of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. Paul was broken by the experience he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was broken by what he had seen and the memory of what he had done. He was broken by the persecution he felt, by the ways people tried to hurt him. And now he was ready to be broken and poured out over every person that he served. Jesus's call to follow him said, take up your cross and follow me. When we are broken, we come out of it with a burden. Brokenness leads to burdens. 
a burden for people who are like us, a burden for the ones who have lost someone, a burden for those whose life didn't follow the plan, a burden for those whose sickness won't go away, a burden for the ones who carry the same heaviness that you do. And that burden can make you bitter and it can stop you in your tracks or you can do what you were told to do, what you were called to do by the one who is waiting to rescue you. And you can pick up that burden and you can follow him, carry it into ministry with him. I believe your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. I believe that out of your brokenness will come opportunities. Lazarus and Mary and Paul, they were all broken. And they saw God in that brokenness as a result. They were willing to give whatever was asked of them in service to him. Let me say this in this moment that we're in. It's divisive. And your enemy is going to distract you by leading you to believe in your brokenness in the ways that this season is breaking you, the expectations are breaking you, that all the voices in your head are breaking you, that anyone who's broken in a different way or who, who believes a different way or who speaks a different way, the enemy wants to create bitterness in your heart for anyone making different choices than you. He wants us to be so distracted by it, overwhelmed by it, that we forget that all around us are neighbors and coworkers and family members who are hurting and in pain, and alone, and without hope. May you be so broken in this moment that you're willing to pour out your opinions, willing to pour out the beliefs you have about the moment we're in, willing to pour out what makes you comfortable, what makes you uncomfortable, willing to pour out the things that you don't understand. To be willing to pour those things out so that you can keep doing what he's called you to do. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Lead people into hope and peace and salvation and truth and kindness. Care for one another. Love one another. Treat one another with respect. Everybody is being broken by this moment. Let's care for one another well. Pray the prayer, break me, and let God use the brokenness of this life, all the things you're gonna face that are impossible to face. Let him use those things to lead you back to a place or lead you for the first time to a place where you hold absolutely nothing back from him. Give him everything. Give him everything and you'll find purpose in that brokenness. Let me pray. If you're here today and you've been broken by life, maybe you've been through any of the things I've talked about. Maybe it's different things, you know, job loss or there's just so many things that can go into our hearts and cause pain. If you're in here today, and you've been going through that without hope. 
can I offer you some? Can I let you know that there, there is light at the end of the tunnel? That there is one who would weep with you, who would live through it with you, who would comfort you, who sees your pain and cares immensely about it, who wants to bring you peace and joy and satisfaction, who wants to lead you to a place of freedom, who wants to lead you to a place of wholeness. And if you want to be in relationship with him, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything except say yes to the invitation that he's offered you. And it's a journey from there. And if you're ready to start that journey, would you say yes with me right now? Just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for all the mistakes that I've made. Forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for my anger. I believe in you and I need you. And I want your hope and your peace. And so I give all that I am. I am poured out for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.